Welcome to FinTech Brews and News, brought to you by Central Payments and Falls FinTech. I'm Nikki Rohde. And I'm Trent Sorby. Founders, co-founders, payments professionals, and, well, just people who love brews. This is a place to get a behind-the-scenes look at unique partnerships and ways to bridge the financial gap between banking, startups, and the entire fintech industry. Whether it's a beer, or coffee, or something else, there's certain to be a brew in every episode. After all, how do we function in this space without it? Each episode, you're sure to take away some good stuff going on in the financial technology space. So without further ado, let's grab a brew. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of FinTech Brews and News. Today, we're talking about mental health and leadership and how it all folds together. So we have some really incredible guests with us today, starting with Betsy Leatherman. Hi, I'm Betsy Leatherman and I'm the president of Leadership Circle Consulting. Our role in the world is to help leaders do better at their jobs despite changing complexity and times. I love that. And Jen Miller. Hi there, my name is Jen Miller. I'm the Employee Success Manager for Central Payments and Falls FinTech. I kind of play the HR arm of our world as we're connected to the Central Bank of Kansas City as well. Yeah, we're super stoked to dig into this topic a little bit more and how it fits into entrepreneurship and just growing businesses in general. Oftentimes mental health is something that people don't talk about and how it all combines into leadership. And so I'd like to turn it over to Betsy for just a little bit. If you would drop back into a little bit more about how you came to help find Leadership Circle and what that whole journey has been like. For sure. Um, so my background, my educational background is psychology and behavioral neuroscience. I spent most of my career in marketing and in fact, in the marketing role, um, focused a ton on marketing and prepaid. Yeah. So I've got a special connection because of that. Um, and actually had started um, a marketing organization called Razor Marketing. And uh, after five years would say had, uh, from a mental health perspective, gotten myself about as far undriven as one could. Mm. And I decided at that time to sell my shares and stay home and raise my kids. I have two little boys. Well, they're big boys now, 14 and 16, but at the time they were little. And, um, and you know, I rolled out of that and I was exhausted, mm. really exhausted. And I, in fact, said I was never going to work again. Um, I thought I had accomplished what you accomplished. You work as hard as you can, you build a company, you sell it, and then you raise boys. And I was really excited about it. Um, when I was approached uh, by Leadership Circle, it was about five years later, and they had said, you know, would you like to come back to work? And I said, well, here's the problem. I went real driven, real hard, and I can't do that again. Um, I can't put my body in that situation. I can't put my family at such, in that situation. And they said, well, there's a way to lead that's not like that. And you're like, tell me more. I was like, are you sure? Are you certain? Uh -huh. uh, yeah. And so um, my boss at the time, and he currently is my boss as well, he said, I'll help you establish the boundaries to figure it out, but let's figure it out together. And then once you figure it out, let's go help a whole bunch of other leaders. Mm -hmm. So that's the background of how I kind of got to this spot. Um, we are a global organization. So what feels really good about that to me is that we're helping leaders across the globe impact the globe, which is part of our mission. Um, we exist to evolve the conscious practice of leadership so that leaders may steward the planet and awaken us all to our inherent unity 
which is basically we're all kind of in this boat together. Mm-hmm. We're all going through the same cycles at just different timings and with different complexities pushing us toward those things. And so, you know, our belief is that if you help leaders handle those situations better, they can help everyone handle mm-hmm. them better. You know, one of the reasons um, we were so excited to have you on the podcast is, um, you know, you and I go back a long time, 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I think Betsy comes to this topic from, like she touched on, really two angles. She was a founder. Um, She understands the founder experience. And I think, you know, and now using that background and that backdrop from the early days of of Razor Marketing and now, you know, helping helping other founders and leaders um, understand that you can find balance in there somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I don't think Nikki and I were probably as sensitized to the struggles of of a founder until we got into Falls FinTech. Mm -hmm. We started meeting these you know, incredible people who had this dream and we started watching their, their traits and their mannerisms and their approach to things. And Nikki and I just started talking about like, boy, we're worried about some of them. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're seeing what they're doing at such a young age and how hard it is on them. We could sense it's hard on people they're around and loved ones. And we're like, man, this is a topic we've got to delve a little deeper in. And so I think to have bets here is fantastic. And, and, you know, we brought Jen on, um, really because she gets to be around all of us every day and starts to see things come up here and say, whoa, time out. I'm seeing behavior here we need to talk about. That's right. Actually, um, I would contend that Falls Fintech was a bit of the catalyst to hiring Jen because um, we saw those types of behaviors in the entrepreneurs. And as central payments continues to grow, we're like, man, we need somebody internal that can help support and love on our employees as well. So Jen, maybe a little bit about your backdrop and your journey to get to this point. Yeah, I love that that you include loving people because um, as squishy as that word comes out in, in our organization as it is, I just think it was part of how I was made. And uh, my initial route to finding uh, central payments today was as a kid, I had this love for psychology, for science and for business. And I was a late teen. I was like, mom, what do you, what do, you do with all those interests? And she said, well, let's Google it. So we did. And I still remember to this day, it was an arched lettering, funeral director mortician. So I shadowed a female funeral director in my town. And I decided to go for my bachelor's science at the uh, medical school at the U of M. And then uh, since then, um, when and hard, just just meeting Betsy for the first time today, I'm already relating to you go in and you, you want to do well, you want to prove yourself. And as a female in a very male dominated industry, sometimes I was the first female ever hired for a company I was working with. You just want to prove yourself and be strong enough physically and emotionally and all that, that I did my back and neck in good. Mm. <laughs> so since I've, I've had to um, rectify some of that uh, physically, but I had to pull back and get into the operational, the managerial and the people component. Mm-hmm. And that's where I was like, there is so much potential in people. And to see them thrive, it was just, it was riveting. I loved that. And so um, I still keep my license active today because there's a love for that business that I'll just mm-hmm. always have. But seeing that there are so many leaders company to company that want to do well, mm-hmm. but they don't know the route to get there. Mm-hmm. And you have companies like the Leadership Circle that said, I get that, I get you, and the reason I get you is through these tools. Mm-hmm. You know, when we hired Jen, um, I said, you know, the first thing, we're not going to hire an HR person. I don't mm-hmm. I don't want somebody to come <laughs> in, <laughs> well, for a lot of reasons, um, but, <laughs> but I said, you know, the, we're going to hire an employee success manager, and I view those 
those positions entirely different. Um, I, I told Jen, I said, I don't want you thinking necessarily about our payroll processing. I don't want you thinking all that hard around the benefits package. I said, I want you to figure out a way that we can make people feel incredibly rewarded here. Um, I want you to bring that talent to the entrepreneurs that come through Falls FinTech and let's, let's figure out a way to make life at central payments, what we want it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I think that's, I think we look at employee success as um, the absolute necessary component ultimately to success at central payments. I don't, I don't, I, I don't think you can disconnect the two. I don't, I don't know how central payments can be successful if the employees don't feel successful and they don't feel balanced and they don't feel, you know, that, that we understand what we're asking of them mm-hmm. um, and, and we want to help them through it. And I love that as a founder too, because oftentimes people have this one skill set and they're honed in on it. It's just this tunnel vision, but not to butter your bread too much. We have a founder who has that vision, but he also cares for his people. Mm -hmm. And the two coming together has made central payments as successful as it is. Year over year, we're we're doubling this element and that element to a growth of, we're on seven years now. Mm -hmm. And and doing incredibly well. And the staff is doubling in size year over year. That's right. It says something about your attention to that. So when we launched Falls FinTech, um, cohort one came through and we did to Trends Point notice uh, some trends and some gaps where they push really hard mm-hmm. and they don't seem to acknowledge uh, mental fatigue, emotional fatigue, mm-hmm. spiritual fatigue, physical exhaustion. Mm-hmm. And so Betsy came into the fold with Falls FinTech back a year and a half ago as almost a bit of a favor to us where we said, hey, everything you're doing at Leadership Circle would fit so nicely to serve these entrepreneurs. And you went out of your way to serve these folks very exhaustively over multiple days in each cohort. Will you talk a little bit about why you chose to say yes to that favor and what maybe some of your learnings are out of that? Because I think before you go there, talk a little bit about your typical client base. I mean, oh yeah. Yeah, so um, our traditional client base would be um, Fortune 500, Fortune maybe even 50. Um, We do large-scale multinational work. Most traditionally, it's multinational. Sometimes we've got some, um, you know, in-one-country players. But for the large part, it's large multinationals, um, uh, uh, leaders that are dealing with significant global complexity and um, finding that they need a new way to frame up what they're doing and a new way to think about their role. The reality is that does apply to an entrepreneur. And the thing that's different about an entrepreneur oftentimes because their success um, is so deeply tied with their identity and that that, that identity is also, also often tied to their family's success. Mm-hmm. So you have this other element in there for an entrepreneur that's even stronger So we follow a model of adult development that starts um, at the base of adults coming into the world and kind of being at an egocentric level of development. Everything I see is based off the way I see it, and that's how it is. And there are some leaders like that. Um, Most people, most leaders, uh, develop through that to a reactive phase where you can take um, and say, here are circumstances in the environment. I must respond to them. And what happens in some situations is that leaders take that response 
um, they go too far with it and they begin to over-rotate. Yeah. And it is in the over-rotation that some of the issues and problems come up. Um, speaking for my own self, I will tell you at Razor Marketing, I was over-rotated on driven and perfect. Um, I was using that kind of will-based movement of energy to attack any problem when situations might have called for something else, right? Especially if I was wanting to scale. So what we see is that there's kind of three primary types. The first one being a will-based response to problems. The second one is a head-based response. So a problem occurs, a leader attacks it with their critical thinking, maybe arrogance, maybe a little distance to kind of pull themselves away from it. As a protection um, element, maybe. As a protection element, mm. for sure, to try and help um, see themselves in relationship to the problem so that they may solve it. Mm. And then the third element is a heart-based element. Mm -hmm. And the heart-based element um, loves that a problem and might even love it people if they're in problem, mm -hmm. but over-rotates. So you can imagine any of those used in a, in a appropriate proportion works just fine. Mm -hmm. When you over-rotate on it, like I did, is when it's not okay anymore. Mm -hmm. And um, I kind of got my awakening sitting in a doctor's office thinking I had an ear infection and this doctor looked at me and he said, how old are you? And at the time I was 35, I said, I'm 35. And he said, what are you doing to yourself? And I was like, what, because of my ear? <laughs> <laughs> said, you have shingles, you've given yourself shingles. Oh, no. You have so much stress, your body is about to take you out. And I just burst into tears and I was like, ah, you're right, you're right, you know? <laughs> I'm like, I'm so driven, I work so hard, I'm so ambitious, and I've got this will-based move, you know. What I noticed in the entrepreneurs, a lot of that driven will, I also noticed in many of the partners, the, the companies that had two, there was a will-based one and a heart-based one. Interesting. So then what happens is like, I wanna go really fast and like, I wanna help you get there. Right. Yeah. Whether I'm belonging or pleasing or passive, it's like it's you've got this kind of movement between the two. That model to me is fascinating. Mm -hmm. And the group was equally as fascinating, mm -hmm. which is why I was very happy to pour my heart into them because they are dying to grow their businesses. They've got beautiful products that are going to change the world and they just need a little help. Not only being conscious about, wow, my identity right now is set in a particular place, but it doesn't have to stay there. That was my big change when I went to Leadership Circle. I don't have to stay there and just be over-rotated. It's, it's, it's when the embodiment of what they're trying to do professionally is, is really overtaking their identity as a human being. Yeah. Um, and, and I think we've all been there. Those of us that have, that have tried to start something new and done things, it, it's hard to figure out where that boundary line is where all of a sudden your success as an individual um, is, is you can only see that through your professional life. Mm -hmm. and, and it's that, it's that narrow lens that you start to look through that I think, you know, that's the behavior we were seeing early on. Um, and, and sure, I, you know, I'm the first to admit, I, I certainly find myself struggling with it too. But in, in such these young founders were like, man, we got to jump in mm -hmm. and try to raise some awareness to try to help. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a service. Like, look, we want to help you grow your business. We want to try to help you do it in a way that doesn't destroy you at the same Absolutely. time. You think, where do you start with all that? You're that's being pulled from 17 different directions and all of them are important. So where do you where do you start with that? And when when I consult with companies to try to hone in on what they need to to really thrive, which I, I just love that word because there's there's such meaning to it, it's that mission, vision, and value establishment. Mm -hmm. 
you know, with that mission, you have your purpose. It's your present. With that vision, you have your future and how you're going to get there. Mm-hmm. And the vision is the, uh, the sorry, the values more so are the filter through which every decision mm-hmm. you make to make those two things come true. Mm-hmm. Jen, one thing I think um, you, uh, when you're talking about some of your background, the other thing is you are now rounding out your PhD in leadership as mm-hmm. well. And that's something, talk about your heart for that. No, you can't have her. No, you can't. <laughs> I was like, I was like, it was perfect. <laughs> and now I've got it. I like that. No, Thank you very much. <laughs> I got that little head tilt. That was cute. I, I did. I um, I looked, um, and I, I hope this is still true today so that I'm not, uh, I'm speaking correctly, but I wanted to find a doctoral program that was solely focused on strategic leadership mm-hmm. and business management because it fits any industry. Mm-hmm. Anywhere you go, the same practices need to be applied. It's just... A different different format, different subject matter, that this, that, and the other. So I looked uh, nas- uh, nationwide and found four. There are four organizations that provide that degree. And so I found it, and I'm about halfway through, and working with central payments, I'm just in my fifth month. But it feels, in the best of ways, like it's already been a year or two. Because mm-hmm. there is so much drive and is so much passion within these people. And then you you implement everything that I'm learning with that. And you go, there's real yeah. potential here. Yeah. There's an exciting, exciting future ahead. It's interesting. When we hired you, um, I think it was just the other day that you came into my office and said, you know, I, I've got about, you know, any given day upwards of a dozen people that are coming in to talk to me. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Um, and I think when you give employees an outlet to start to to start to express uh, things that are going well for them and not going well in their professional lives. Um, and I'm sure there's plenty of times you, we talk about you talk about their personal lives as well. But as soon as you give them an outlet, you know, things start things start coming up that we that I'm not sure we would have seen as an executive team had we not provided that outlet. Um, And so it's been fascinating to watch employees respond to an opportunity to share, um, hey, this is what I think this is doing to me. um, And this is some suggestions I have. Can you help me here? And of course, we, we want to. So it's 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 really opened up a communication line that that I would have never I would have never guessed um, would be utilized the way it has. That's awesome. So I want to think a little bit, Betsy, this may be framed towards you is this constant like deliberation we have within ourselves if we're, you know, have a strong enough EQ that says, who am I? Who am I not? Where do I thrive? And and where do I not? When you think about what the leadership circle has developed and that over rotation stuff, what advice would you give to anybody who's struggling in that bit of identity crisis of of that deliberation? Who am I? Who am I not? Mm. Well, I think the first thing I would say is just ask the question. And mm-hmm. um, you know, there, there's a quote that we often use that say, says that the reason the, the, the movement toward broadening and deepening our consciousness is because that things just go better when we're conscious of them. You know, when I think about how I want to show up, when I look at my day and I say, okay, that meeting is going to cause a whole bunch of emotions. What do I need to do to prep for that? How do I want to show up so I can make choices before I get triggered and get in the middle of it? When you can do that, you just show up better. I like you using the words, how do I show up? Because mm-hmm. that's a really interesting frame. I don't think a lot of people think that they're like, how am I going to attack this? How is it going right. to get the result that I want? But it's like, how do I want people to perceive me? How Absolutely. do I show up well? That's right. Well, the other interesting thing, you know, we talked about that reactive orientation. Um, as people grow through that, the creative orientation gives them more of a... Um, 
um, a way to look at things that is not like, how do I attack it? How do I make it go my way? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's actually a, we always like to say that it's kind of a, um, transcend and develop like, okay, I learned all that stuff. Yep. And as long as I don't get stuck and over rotate, I can move to a different, more creative orientation that probably feels a lot better too. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and feels a lot more like scale, which is part of the issue that I always worry about with the entrepreneurs, right? You can drive one person really hard to a certain point, but, but at some point it stops, like it actually stops working. My driven, like literally stopped working. Like it's like, Oh, okay. It's not going to work anymore. (laughs) So you you have to find an alternative that pushes you over to that other piece. And just being conscious and aware of it is enough to oftentimes get you to a place that probably lands a little bit better on everyone. And you know, to some degree, shame on this industry. Um, these founders find themselves in an industry that is all about hyper unrealistic growth expectations. Mm, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and with an expectation that the founder sacrifices everything um, in order to, that's the only way mm-hmm. you are going to enjoy the hyper growth that all of the other fintechs you read about are going to have. You know, shame on, in my mind, the VC community. Mm-hmm. Um, there are Now I, I hear more and more every day about VCs that are starting to recognize this and are starting to prepare for this and starting to realize that maybe the old way of doing things um, doesn't make a lot of sense. To me, it's almost like you think about what a doctor goes through when they're in their residency, right? Mm-hmm. They're gonna work 65 consecutive hours on no sleep because that's the way we've always done it. And mm-hmm. somebody stepped back and said, well, wait a second. They're not providing very good care, mm-hmm. you know, at some point past hour 20, right? And I think there are VCs that are starting to recognize that. Look, I have a, they have a financial interest in the success of that business. Um, perhaps we need to think about the founder um, in more of a long-term mm-hmm. um, versus a short-term. That's right. And I, I'm just, I, I get very frustrated and, and I'm quick to jump on the soapbox when I start to see um, these external influences on founders advising them that the only way to success is for you to basically divorce yourself of everything mm-hmm. that's personal in your life, um, literally in some cases, mm-hmm. um, walk away from any other interest you have and absorb yourself into this thing for the next three years um, and then there's about a one in 20 chance that it really flies for you long term. Well, that's just it. I mean, you look at the stats now and one in three entrepreneurs are living with depression, mm-hmm. actively living with depression. And the suicide rates are so high. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and some of that is, I mean, there's there's obviously neurological issues and such, but some of that is that people get, when the people get a, their identity attached to them working towards something, when like your true identity gets based on that, if that thing that you're working for doesn't come soon enough, then all of a sudden what happens to your identity? Mm-hmm. I am nothing, right. right? So if my identity is my ability to create results and grow something, if for whatever reason I can't create results and grow something, I am then a failure, right? Right. And so you've got people that are then thrust into a mental health situation with very few resources to actually deal with that. And the belief of like, oh my gosh, I've never been here before because mostly until now we haven't really talked about it. Mm-hmm. Um, identity crisis and identity structure, in my opinion, is the reason we're seeing so many mental health issues now. Mm-hmm. People haven't really focused on just me being me, mm-hmm. not my work, not even how I'm a wife or how I'm a mom, just me being me that I'm a valuable human asset, um, even if I produce nothing. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think, you know, you think about the DNA of a typical founder. It is not about how do I find satisfaction? In many cases, 
the DNA of the founder is how can I be better than everybody else? Yes. How can I be, how can I do something that nobody else in the world has ever done before? So the expectation and the bar that gets set Mm-hmm. that a, the founder perspective is not only do I have to do well, I have to beat everybody that's else. Right. Yes. So this no pressure. mounting pressure. <laughs> yeah, that's it, Jen. That was the, the mounting pressure that they feel to keep up the pace, do it better than anybody else. So Jen, I want to don't ask, talk about when you're struggling. Right? Don't, don't let anyone know you're having a hard time. Well, right? no, of course not, because <laughs> what does that mean? That means all of a sudden there might be trouble. It's going to be hard to raise your value. Your valuation is going to stink. Mm-hmm. You're going to hard to raise money. It'll go through the VC community. So by all means... Squelch this thing. This human part of you, the the whole thing that you are, just... So it's interesting. The very first inaugural cohort we did with Falls Fintech was early 2020. (laughs) And this was pre us calling Betsy and saying, hey, we think we need something here. But I'll never forget, one of the founders gave us maybe one of the best compliments that I think anybody could hope for at least in my mind's eye. And what she said is, I love Falls Fintech so much because it's a place that we can celebrate each other's wins, but it's a place we can fail together. Mm-hmm. They want a safe place mm-hmm. to, to be vulnerable that isn't going to impact mm-hmm. their the, the what they perceive to be the view of the rest of the well, world. They wanted syndrome. a place to be vulnerable. Yeah. It's this yeah. imposter syndrome where they have to, to everybody be something and put on this um, always an upright posture and I've got it all together. And we held um, a, uh, for the sake of this audience, I'll keep it PG and set it, call it failure fest, but kind of rewind a different F word. And we um, had uh, our alumni come together and talk about where they've messed up Um, (laughs) and it was so freeing to them to share in that that place of vulnerability that I can, I'm just a human mm-hmm. um, that's doing the best that I can with what I've got. I tell you what, I just got back from um, a conference and Jeff Emmel was one of the speakers. Yeah. The He was the CEO at GE after Welsh. And um, first of all, he was an incredible speaker. He gave us a copy of his book and I read that book like a novel, Oof. literally like a day and a half. I mean, like I couldn't even stop. We were drinking coffee in the morning. My husband's like, do you want to tell me about the conference? I'm like, no, stop talking. <laughs> like, I'm just pacing through because there was so much in there about what he learned and what he tried and, and what he was handed, you know? So I actually reached out to him. Um, I emailed him and I was like, this is an incredible book. It's like a novel. I can't even believe you wrote this. And he wrote back. Oh, yay. Yeah, he was like, it was so funny. He wrote back and he was like, oh, I'm so glad you're enjoying it. And I thought he was probably like, yeah, it was great to live it. Thanks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but reading about things that didn't work mm. and seeing what they had to try and do to piece things together. He talks a lot about China in the book and we have a lot of work focused on China right now. It was fascinating. And I afterward, I asked myself, like, what was it? And it was that I, as a leader, my, in my own role, I got to sit quietly with someone and see what worked and what didn't work for them so I could take and potentially apply it to myself. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like hungry for any book that's like that. Literally anybody that's got a book of like, here's what went well, here's what didn't, I'm in. Yep. And people are hungry for that. They live in this juxtaposition of a state of, I have to be perfect. And at the same time, people wanna know how it's really going underneath the surface. Yeah. They want to understand what what that feels like to other people. How do you deal with stress? You can be successful and still have stress. Mm-hmm. You can you can be a good leader and still not have the best relationship with one of your direct reports and still be working on it. Right. It's possible right. to do both, but you have to admit that both are happening. So ladies, how do you protect employees, founders, CEOs, 
from that that pressure, that level of identity crisis of being attached to the thing or burnout or how do you protect? What are some practical tips? Well, um, I think a couple of things. So um, first and foremost, um, I just have to say having you here, this is a wonderful example. So giving employees a place to turn that has resource that they can say, I'm stuck in this moment. Um, sometimes, and we've all been there, when um, volatility, uncertainty, complexity, ambiguity, hypergrowth, when it gets too much, it is literally so much that you just need a person to be like, I got, I got to work this out with somebody. I need you to talk me through this. So that's kind of step one. And then step two, um, being able to give them resources to say, what is it that you want to be in this situation? Tells them like, this is actually your choice. You are at choice about what you do with this and helping them frame it in a way that makes them feel um, really included in leadership. Like other people have been here before. Yeah, this is You are not in some weird, funky, far out place. Mm -hmm. Other people have been here before and here's what worked for them. And I'm gonna help you through that kind of choosing process. Mm -hmm. I think that's really key. Okay. Um, and then giving them the resources and skills to actually upskill themselves yeah. um, so that they can move and say, gosh, this driven perfect reaction to everything is no longer working in this more volatile world. I need to look at something else like high composure. Like, how do I learn how to do composure really well um, so that things don't hit me every moment and I'm trying to respond to them real time? One of the things about leadership, I mean, you are on stage. You are learning on stage, global audience, everyone's watching. One mistake, it's broadcast somewhere. It's through the company in seconds. It's a meme. It's a meme, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And so so the, uh, the idea that you are to grow and you're supposed to grow in a frame by which to do that, I think is what's most helpful to people. And I, you know, I'm gonna, because I know you're gonna be humble here, so I'll jump in before you have a chance to do that. There's a reason we put Jen's offices right next to mine. And <clears throat> it is not so I could see who's going into her office because I don't really pay any attention at all to that. It is so Jen can come into my office and say, hey, I'm watching what you're doing here. Um, I want you to think about maybe a perspective you haven't thought about and the way um, employees may view it, um, how they may feel about what you're doing. And so... I wanted her right next to me so that way um, those of us that might be a little guilty of putting a lot of pressure on situations, um, <laughs> that somebody has a chance to come in and say, hold the phone here a little bit. Um, here's the feedback I'm hearing. Here's alternative approach. Here's an alternative timeline. Maybe it doesn't have to be done tomorrow. Um, maybe there's a way to communicate it differently. Um, that has paid off. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not ready to say it's resulted in enormous success, but I think it has set us up for enormous success. Just to, for her to kind of come back and pull the executive team back a little bit and say, okay, um, you've put a lot on the plate. Um, let's, let's deal with that now. Well, that's awesome that you are seeing some value in me. I'm not sure how much the... you really like being in the office next to me. Thank you. I have so enjoyed though, the, these one-on-one -on -one interactions, oftentimes people go, it's probably just me mm. is how it starts. Or I, I don't mean to make a big deal about this. And sure enough, within the week, I've heard that from six other people. Mm. And so when you're able to pull out those threads and see those themes, you're able to simplify mm. what feels like a very complex and overwhelming issue mm -hmm. to then me bring it to Trent. It's just this one thing. Mm -hmm. And if we could target this one thing just today, this week, this month, mm -hmm. 
there's progress forward. And I think to answer your question, Nikki, how, how do you kind of help founders, leaders through some of these things is my beloved mentor who just very recently passed away. Um, he lived by three values, which is um, live with simplicity, relevance, and compelling. Mm-hmm. Because whatever is simple, relevant, and compelling, mm-hmm. focus on those things. Mm-hmm. Because it brings your world, a very chaotic world, smaller for you to be able to identify, what is it that I care about? Hold on. Let's get back to our mission, vision, values. Let's get some direction. Oftentimes, I think uh, you read a leadership book, they're, they're almost always kind of saying the same thing. That's because it's actually not terribly complex. I mean, we can make it complex. You and I. <laughs> but but when, you, when you drill it down, it's really simplified, slowed action with intent behind it. Mm. So if you can just get there and help your people understand what the crux of it is and then set them up with what we're, we're implementing at Central Payments is um, CP Squared, which is our Central Payments Communication Protocol. That's going to be a tool of how we're going to communicate organizational-wide. Mm. We're using Traction, a book on how, how to use entrepreneurial operational systems as our focal point. And situational leadership, we're going to roll that out in 2022 to say... I realize that leadership is a big thing. Here's a frame, a structure, and how to to address you as a leader and you as a follower. Mm-hmm. And we're going to walk through that together. So giving people tools versus just saying, here's the heart, I got your back, it's okay, or just think critically and you got this. Blend it together with a tool that says, ah, oh, I see a path out. Yeah, and I, I think it's way out. Absolutely. And I, I think for those, you know, our, the audience of FinTech Brews <clears throat> is likely folks that um, are involved in some form of financial services. Uh, I think I would encourage everybody, uh, Tom Bloomfield um, is the founder of Monzo, um, well-known FinTech, Challenger Bank, UK-based. Tom <clears throat> has you know, lived the serial entrepreneurial life and he was, and he will probably say that he still to some degree um, still, can't, st- still can't see himself living by what your mentor said, the simple, the quiet life. I'm, I'm not doing justice to the quote, but um, because he's wired in a way, he believes to always have everything um, foot to the floor, hard, fast, do as quickly and as aggressively as possible. He's got a- and That's a, all about tone. You can say simple, the relevant, and the compelling, or you can say the simple, the yeah. relevant, <laughs> right. what's compelling. Right. So you can still do. So there's a the translation floor. problem there. And I think yes. Tom, you know, Going to the pandemic, Tom says, "Like I'm out. I'm out. I'm 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 on a I'm on a roller coaster here. That's that's setting me up for a disaster." And so he walks away from Monzo, enormous valuation, hugely successful, and just said, "Look, it just wasn't fun anymore. I wasn't enjoying what I was doing in this space. I didn't like the constant pitching to VCs. I didn't like having to deal as we grew with more employee issues and more regulatory things and all the stuff that I didn't find fun. I like to build stuff. I like to do product." stuff. And he's just like, look, I've had enough. And and I would encourage every founder to go out there. He's he's spoken on it a lot just in the last six months after he's had a chance to kind of reflect post-pandemic, or maybe we're not post-pandemic, but as we kind of come out on the other side of it to say, look, here's where I am today. And this is why it feels a whole lot better. And more importantly, this is why I feel like I'm ready for the next challenge because I'm in a better spot 
um, in the way I approach work. And man, I, I, I give him a lot of credit for jumping out there because there's just aren't many founders that are ready to do that. Yeah. And the, the podcast you shared with me on him, the piece that stood out to me is that he identified, he is a leader that really enjoys the small company Mm -hmm. and there are leaders that enjoy the big company. It just because you're struggling in one size of company or another does not mean you're a failure as a leader. It means you may grow in a different soil in a different lighting, Mm -hmm. that type of thing. When you, when you plant that seed. So just to encourage people, they're like, man, I am just not getting this. Mm -hmm. It's that you may have a niche somewhere else and that it can be adapted if you dig into it, if you care to, it's what you focus on. Yeah. So, you know, I listened to the podcast as well and I felt this sense of camaraderie with him um, because I too kind of came through the startup process and I was like exhausted. It was five years of running and doing yoga every single day, literally. Um, and then I started venturing out into projects actually with Trent, which was super fun. We had, we had a blast. Um, and so when I went back, we were small. So it was like, oh, I'm small again. And we've grown much larger. What I've noticed is um, when we got to the size that I left Razor, I was kind of like, oh, this is the size I know. So this is the part I know. And I grew a significant amount to go to that next phase. And our next phase is going to take us even more. So for me personally, I was like, well, my identity is definitely not tied to my work. So what can I learn in this? And then I think I was actually just thinking about it this morning, like, oh, okay, so if you make it all the way through the, the journey of getting a company from small to large, then you kind of step back and go, so which was my favorite part? And at this moment, I'm like, well, all of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I kind of like all of it. Yeah. And I have leaders oftentimes when leaders get feedback, which by the way, I think is one of the most important mm-hmm. things about leadership that you are getting feedback from others because you, you think you're doing one thing and it's showing up a different way. Amen. But when leaders get feedback and they, they take that in and they go, okay, this is great. This is good information for me. Sometimes they do that. Other times they go, well, clearly I am not meant for this role. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. One of the things we talk about at False Fintech all the time is listen without defense and speak without being offensive. Mm-hmm. And so it's something that we we want to encourage everybody internally and the founders that we serve to speak without being offensive, mm-hmm. but then be receptive to listening without being defensive. Also a struggle for a founder, right? Oh, yeah. A founder comes at things oftentimes thinking, I, I see a challenge and I may be the only person that can fix that. They always want to re-engineer something. Mm-hmm. And so from somebody to say like, stop and listen to the other person, uh, for many founders, it's it's very difficult to say, well, why would I do that? Because right. I'm so sure in right. my own head yeah. on what I'm doing. Yes, there. like I literally know it deep as my bones go, yeah. right? So how do you help them with that, Betsy? How do you help them go against their bent a little bit? So there's this natural gravitation. Is it just awareness of that over-rotation, overdone strengths turn into weaknesses? Is it that? Um, so yes, and sometimes some tricks. So I'll give you one, uh, my, one of my favorites, and I use it all the time. So if you have a leader who's gotten the feedback or you see the data that they go um, hypercritical or hyper arrogant, such that they don't listen, one of the tools that a client and I actually developed, because he was kind of in this spot, and quite honestly, I struggle with the same thing. (laughs) Um, We developed this idea that everyone in the room has a puzzle piece. And um, ultimately, yes, you may help to put all the pieces together, but the most important thing for you to do is listen and hear what's your puzzle piece, what's yours, what's yours. Mm-hmm. And, and literally that's the orientation. It keeps me from responding. It keeps me from jumping to a conclusion because I don't know yet your piece yet. So before I start to piece all this together in a puzzle, I've, I've really got to make sure you talk. Right. And so that little trick will get them through. Once they've done that a couple of times, they see the value 
and then they don't need to do it anymore. But it's like the awareness of I've got something here that reacts to the group in a strange way, mm. sometimes in a way I don't intend. Here's a little trick to get through it. And then I see the results and all of a sudden I'm like, okay, wow, that, that group knows so much more about this than I do. I think that that's key too, is that when people come in and going, I don't know what to do, what's the next step, I'm overwhelmed, da, 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 da. Oftentimes, you know, you have to kind of decide or even ask them, are we problem solving listening or am yeah. I empathetically listening and letting you kind of vent? Oftentimes the solution is in there. You don't even have to offer it. It's in there. They just need to sift through it, mm. be able to say, I've heard six different perspectives today and I have no idea which way to go. This one, that it, actually, that was a good component of that one. Okay, so maybe if I had one, four, and two with six, yeah, that's perfect. What do you guys think? And that's where the leader comes in to say, I heard all of you, truly heard, listen and hearing being different. Yeah. This is what I see. Mm. Let's do it. And then, and then it's collaborative. You get excited. Your, your people are a part of the solution, so they can actually pay, play that part. The, the podcast we keep talking about, we'll put it in the show notes, but I found myself, I was on an airplane Sunday, and I'm listening, um, and I'm jotting some notes. Um, I, I, I try to be an avid note taker. So airplane Trent was coming airplane out? Airplane Trent was coming out, so lots of notes. <laughs> Pretty soon I noticed that my notes had turned into not notes about what I'm hearing, notes about myself. Okay. Pretty soon I'm, I'm hearing things and I'm translating notes and all of a sudden it's turning into a bit of a journal. What mm -hmm. started out as me just jotting notes from the podcast, mm -hmm. I'm hearing those conversations and I'm like, aha, okay, yep, that could be me. Yep, that's probably me. Nikki or Betsy or Jen or all three of them have told me that's me. <laughs> um, and uh, it's, it's just the benefit of perspective that I just, I worry when I spend time with these young early stage entrepreneurs that I just want to say, stop. This is the time to try to gather a little perspective because it's going to be crazy six months from now. Mm -hmm. And if you're not ready for that, if you don't have balance, this, we always talk like the companies that come through, they're a little bit of, um, a lump of clay. And I always am careful to say, look, don't take that in a derogatory way, but there's still an opportunity to do a little molding and shaping. The thing isn't dry, right? And I, I love that stage of a company, not just for what I want them to build and the product and what it might do for central payments and in their own business, but really what we can do to kind of best position them for success. So like Betsy was saying, like, so they don't get to the point where, okay, I've got 50 employees, man, it's no fun anymore. I'm out because I, that's not made for me. Well, maybe it is, but you just didn't handle that stage well, and it just wasn't the foundation it should have been to take you to the next stage, to take you to the next stage. Yeah. It's not all garbage. Right, <laughs> right, right. Absolutely. You can work off of that. So I'm sure people listening have a gazillion questions to continue to lean into and shape and refine and probably things they wish this episode would go on for hours. So I'd like to wrap up with something that you think people listening could do next. I, I loved the puzzle piece analogy. Um, one thing that I always like to tell people that I'm a big strategic plan gal. And I tell people, do your own strategic plan, your Betsy Leatherman strategic plan, your Trent Sorby strategic plan, not what the company would do, but what do you value? What's your why? Why do you exist? What are your special talents and abilities? And then what are you going to do in the next 12 months that lean more into that and that help you get to where you want to be? So in the year from now, you can lay down and say, I did what I was meant to do this year. So thinking about that, what nuggets would you give the listeners in closing on how to 
take incremental steps to be a better version of themselves so that their mental health, spiritual health, physical health is all wound well. And you can't just say step away, take go on vacation. <laughs> I mean, that's just a weak answer. I mean, it's got it's got to be. That, some, would that be your answer? A weak that would, answer? Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. But I think it'd be a lot of fun. With, oh, I'm just going to take a week off. That'll fix everything. Right. That's ridiculous. A week off. Uh-huh. That's Funny. ridiculous. Yeah, Funny. Funny. <laughs> um, okay, can I do two? Can um, I do two? Yes. Okay, I'm really fast. Do two. I'm really fast. No, you're great. So I think that the number one thing that they can do is decide what habits they want to form that will allow them to be the leader that they want to be and show up that they want to show up the way they want to show up. So for me, like I have to work out. I have to, or else I find I get too much of that driven energy going and then I can be pretty overwhelming for my teams. But if I can work out, I'll burn some of that off and I come in kind of cool as a cucumber, right? So having some habit every day that gets them in a place that they want to be so they can show up. I think that's actually the most important thing leaders can do, but you got to make it a habit. It's got to be every day. Is your phone plugged in next to your bed or away from your bedroom? Um, I keep it in my room because I have... I'm um, teenage boys. Fair point. Fair. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they call all the time. Got it. Even if they're in their room, which is right next door. Oh, um, um, but one day after they go to college, I will seek to move it. Um, so that's kind of one. The other thing that I would just offer on the Leadership Circle website, we have a free self-assessment. Anybody can go in and take it. And it asks you questions about yourself and gives you kind of a readout of how you are, where you think you are in that reactive to creative orientation. And there's a, a resource piece that comes with it. It's all free. So anybody could do that as well. And what's the website again? Leadershipcircle.com. And we'll get it in the show notes for everybody. Perfect. So, I think that's an awesome place to start with a trusted, a trusted tool. And I keep going back to that because so often you can just, you can be pulled in, in too many directions that you lose any sort of focus or any sort of, um, compass, north, true north, that type of thing. Um, my, my personal journey was starting with, starting with why Simon Sinek Mm. going through that process. Mm. And so, um, I was able to define that I wanted to be a positive force of influence to empower other people to thrive. Mm. That was my why. Mm. And that, that applies to my work life, that applies to my home life. Um, in the entirety of who I am. And so I think for anyone to start really dissecting down what is important to you inside and outside of work. So you don't have that, my identity is my job. Yeah. That frees you a bit from that to say, does this cater to my purpose? And if not, don't expend the energy on it. We only have a certain amount before we give ourselves shingles, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> yeah. And secondarily, I think to identify your values. So um, mine are to listen, learn, and lead. Listen without judgment, learn with intentionality, and lead in a healthy direction. I think um, being able to hear where people are at, but then work to understand that so you don't use just your own perception to say, well, if I were you, I would. Mm. Because my healthy direction may not be your healthy direction. So in order to understand where to guide someone to go and sifting through all of this, they need to know their why, and you need to be able to give advice that's reliable based on their need. And write it down. Write it down, write Write it it down. down. Write it down, write it down. You know, I think this is an interesting for me to come at from this perspective because I'm guilty of many of the things that we've been talking about <laughs> um, and have been for, you know, many years, decades. Um, decades. Uh, I'll tell a very quick story. Um, I got on a Zoom with Betsy, I don't know, a year and a half ago. And she's like, you look terrible. <laughs> you look terrible. My complexion, I was all broke out. I didn't feel good. And she's like, you look horrible. 
And she goes, stop, stop what you're doing right there. Um, cause you look like a disaster. And you know, the, the three of you are, uh, aside from my, my family, the three of you are in my professional world, um, are usually the first to actually very clearly tell me that it's probably <laughs> you time. Look like shit. Yeah. You look, you look <laughs> terrible. Um, but I, I think, but I try to tell folks that are coming along is don't get, don't let your ex, the exterior world twist you into somebody you're not. Mm -hmm. Do not let, I'm hard on the VCs, but I mean, damn it, they really irritate me sometimes. Um, don't let them twist you and your company into a place you don't want to go or you don't think you're ready to go yet. Your, your identity, your worth is not based on the valuation of your company. They are two fundamentally different things. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I think the other, you know, if somebody says, hey, what other advice? I mean, a little quiet preparation, um, come prepared. Um, think about things ahead of time is something that I'm really trying to deal with or focus more on um, as we go into the new year. Um, so it doesn't, things don't feel knee jerk reaction all the time. Cause I think when you're getting zigged and zagged and pulled and tugged and somebody wants you to do this and the owner wants you to do that. And you know, the, somebody wants you to change this. It, a little quiet preparation and then just be clear to say, look, um, this is where, this is where I want to go. This is, this is what I want to do. Um, I've thought about it. I've listened, I've compiled. Um, this is, this is the approach I want to take. And, and I just think quiet preparation really makes that go more smoothly. Yeah. And all of those two things, it was seeking clarity, seek clarity in yourself, who you are, your business, what you care about. Mm. So of a term to take away, that's that's kind of what I see. And I love that. What a great conversation. I doubt this is the last time we're going to talk about this on Fintech Brews. There's just too much um, to, to really do this in one episode. Um, we want to get some of these founders in um, and, and we want them to share their, their experiences. Uh, but most of all, thank you to the two of you. Um, I think we're going to we're going to fill the show notes. Lots of ideas and thoughts and suggestions and reference materials. So those of you that are that are watching that want to track down uh, Betsy and want to understand the way uh, Jen approaches things, uh, you're going to find it all uh, in the show notes. Yeah, appreciate that, ladies. So much wisdom. And of course, Trent, thanks for your words, too. So appreciate all the insight. And we're going to cheers. cheers to that. Absolutely. Cheers. There you have it. We hope you enjoyed this episode of FinTech Brews and News. Keep up with all the content and cool stuff happening at Falls FinTech and Central Payments by checking out our website, our YouTube channel, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss out on our next episode. I'm Nikki Rohde. And I'm Trent Sorby. See you next time. Cheers. Cheers.